Welcome to an encore presentation of Compassion Radio 360. Morning, honey. It's time for Compassion Radio 360 program. We do manage to find some interesting stories that we can share with our listeners. Today's story is one that I don't think has appeared much in what we would call Western media, but mm-hmm. one of these news outlets, which I highly respect, I'll explain why in a second, brought this story to our attention, and we want to share it with you now. It has to do with a couple of young ladies who face the unenviable task of trying to pursue their education after the second fall of Afghanistan to Mm -hmm. the Taliban. Mm -hmm. These are young women that were 16 or 17 years old and found themselves looking at bleak prospects for their ambitions. Both of them wanted to do big things in life, and they had studied very hard. They're great, great students. They were cousins. They grew up together in the same compound of multiple families. Their families were rightfully very proud of these young ladies, Yeah, it is a very sad story to me that we don't get, you know, here in the West, here in America. We don't really understand the difficulty that these young women faced and other young women in their same position continue to face. We don't understand how privileged we are. We can choose to go to school or not to go to school. In fact, the biggest arguments we have about education now are, can I pull out my tax dollars from public schools to go spend them on private schools? Mm -hmm. That seems to be the biggest worry we have is what's going to happen with our money Mm -hmm. rather than, is there any access to education, period? Right. This article comes from Al Jazeera. The reason I brought up earlier that we need to talk about this particular news outlet is because on first glance, for the American just seeing the symbol and the name Al Jazeera, they would assume, oh, this is a propaganda arm of some Muslim agency. Right. Some foreign source. I got to tell you, if we felt that way about everything that was, quote, foreign, we wouldn't listen to things like the BBC World Service, which is considered the world's news source. Because they're foreign. They're not American born and bred. They are international by nature. Yeah, or we wouldn't eat Swiss chocolate. <laughs> or that. Yeah, Al Jazeera is a fairly new news agency, and it was started by people in the Middle East that were secular and said, you know what? The world needs to hear about what's really going on and not mm-hmm. be sucked into religious partisanship. So people that were wealthy enough to fund this thing said, let's set up a news agency to rival the best in the world, Mm -hmm. to rival the New York Times, to rival the Washington Post, to rival BBC or ABC, CNN, or even Fox News in America. We want to be a top tier news agency. Mm -hmm. And they managed to pull it off. They've hired some of the best talent around the world. And everything I've read there reminds me how important it is that we have the news that comes to us that is non- Yeah, and the perspective that we get from a foreign news agency, if you will, is bigger than what we have here. We see from the perspective of people that actually understand the culture that it comes from, understand the religion that's involved, all of the things surrounding the different news stories that we get. We've gotten kind of used to it in America that we're very polarized. But the rest of the world assumes that if it's on the news, it must be neutral. 
Mm. We used to expect that in our own media back in the 50s, 60s, 70s, even 80s. But Al Jazeera, we need to just get past this impression we get of, oh, we see a word that sounds Arabic, therefore it must be against America. Sure. This one is not. Right. I, I, therefore, this is my endorsement to you, friends. If you're looking for a good news <laughs> source out there that has really quality journalism going and actually looks at the entire world with a very diverse set of reporters, they're it. So just look up aljazeera.com. That's a great news source. Yeah. And in this website, they had an article which the headline itself broke my heart. It says simply this, Books They Love, a Kabul graveyard library for two schoolgirls. It looked like a mangled sentence to me when I first read that. What in the world is a Kabul graveyard library mm-hmm. for two schoolgirls? What does that even mean? So, of course, that drew me in, which is the hallmark of a really good headline. <laughs> right. yeah. And then you have this picture right below there. It looks like two girls from Central Casting. Beautiful young ladies that just seem to embody what you expect for that part of the world, Mm -hmm. that part of Central and Southern Asia. Two sharp-looking ladies that look like they're ready to take on the world. This is not a stock photo. This is the two girls that this article is going to talk about. It said, in Taliban's Afghanistan, Hazara cousins. Hazara is a tribe in Afghanistan that is a minority. In Taliban's Afghanistan, Hazara cousins, both blast victims who loved to learn and read, inspire an outdoor library and new readers. Mm. The article begins by describing these 16-year-old cousins named Marzia and Hajar, and their last name is Mohammadi, how they were laid to rest in a remote graveyard on the outskirts of Kabul. Among the roses on the girls' graves, their grieving family members placed a few of the teenagers' favorite books, and they did it as a tribute to their love of reading. These two girls were among 53 students that were killed last September in an attack on the Kaj Education Center in Dash al-Barchi, a predominantly Shia Muslim and Hazara ethnic minority neighborhood. A suicide bomber had detonated his explosives in a crowded classroom among students who had gathered for a practice university entrance exam. Most of the victims were young women. The girls are there to take their entry exam to university. Yeah. One of the gals wanted to become a writer because she was so inspired by the authors that she had been reading and she loved. And the other gal wanted to become an architect. No one ever claimed responsibility for the attack that killed all these young women. But it was traced back to the Islamic State that were hiding in the midst, sometimes working with the Taliban, sometimes weren't. But it came to no profitable end for anybody. Yeah. Nobody got to take advantage of this. All we're left with is families devastated by the loss of young women who all they wanted to do was go to school as a result of being told no time after time after time, and they weren't allowed to. The Taliban kept adding more and more restrictions Mm -hmm. after the fall of Kabul again, to the point where they finally said, women will not be educated. And these girls had to agitate to say, no, we've already accomplished all the things that were demanded of us by them and by you. There's nothing left to hold against us. They stood up for themselves to get an opportunity to be sitting in that room to take that entrance exam, and there they were. They had already practiced three or four times. Every time they got almost to the level of proficiency required to be admitted to university. This was their moment. Mm -hmm. And it was stolen. Yeah. It's been reported that since the Taliban took over in August of 2021, that the ISIS unit that is believed to have carried out this attack has been responsible for at least 13 attacks against the Hazaras themselves. Mm -hmm. And they're a very targeted group. Their community lives in fear, and they've seen at least 700 people killed in these senseless attacks since 2021. And consider this, friends. Our ministry, under the leadership of Norman Sharon Nelson, were active in this issue 20 years ago. Yeah. 
when they went to Afghanistan, right after the Taliban fell to American forces and came right into the middle of that and helped reinstitute schools for young girls, mm -hmm. traveled the country and became friends with the warlords that had fought against the Taliban, became friends with the administrators that were in these cities and became friends with people that had become part of the government that was being set up on behalf of the entire nation. They got to see this firsthand mm -hmm. and got to see girls with joy be able to go back to school. And now the children of these women who were given that freedom those 20-something years ago are having it stripped away from yeah. them. Children of the people that our ministry had a chance to meet during those years. That breaks my heart. Yeah. It's what they did in that graveyard that is the core of the story. And yeah. like a lot of different cultures, mementos would often be left on a gravesite to say, not just, I remember you, but that I was here. Mm -hmm. And I think back to that final scene from the movie Schindler's List. At the very end, you see people laying stones. It turns out the people that are in this scene, they are the actual survivors that still lived after all these years that had been rescued by Oscar Schindler in his factory. And Steven Spielberg provides the most poignant answer to this question. Is this just a story or is this a legacy? Mm. The people that you see placing the stone on that grave are either a direct rescue or are the children of those who have passed away since that time but were rescued. They exist. They have a life because the life of their parents was spared. That image was firmly planted in my mind as I was reading this story. Because the people that came to pay tribute to these young girls afterwards brought something that meant more to them and to those girls than just a stone of remembrance. Mm. They brought books. Yeah. The day after the funeral of these two young girls, their uncle was trying to make sense of yeah. all of this. And so he, and he had encouraged them to go to school. Yeah. yeah. He was helping their parents sort out their belongings. And he found diaries that mm. these young girls had left. And not just one or two, but books and books that they had. They wrote as much as that they they read. had kept track of their lives, dreaming and, and enjoying life. But in those diaries, he saw their bucket list, is mm -hmm. what he called it. They had big dreams, yeah. and they had hopes for their future and for the future of other young girls and for Afghanistan. He was deeply moved by their writing, and he began to share with Al Jazeera. So as the family began to read through these diaries, they wanted to share the love of books that the girls had with the world. Initially, it was just, let's leave books at their graves to honor them because that's what they loved. The funny thing about it was that when they would go and visit the graves, after the diaries had been shared on social media, they began to find books there that they had not left, yeah. that were left by other people. They were starting to be people. added to this pile. More and more books were coming day by day. People were actually going out at odd hours to avoid being seen yeah. to pay tribute to these young ladies and brought their favorite books as well. Whether getting Bibles into closed countries, relief supplies into dangerous refugee camps, or providing training in theology books to barefoot pastors as they begin their ministry. These are all the kind of things that we love to share with you every day. And more importantly, they're the kind of things we like to do. Will you help us get ready for the next Big Faith Challenges and Opportunities of this year? Your gift today will provide the means for us to begin some new initiatives with our Bible and Relief Partners that reach farther than we've ever gone before. Here's how. The first and best way to reach us is through our website, CompassionRadio.com. It's available 24-7. Our safe and secure order form there will get your gift to the places needed most and we'll do it right away. You can also support us with a call during Pacific Time business hours at 1-800-868-2478. That's 1-800-868-2478. You can also text COMPASSION to 53445 to give right through your phone no matter where you are. 
And note our new mailing address, which is P.O. Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. Again, that's Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. However you give, we'd love to hear more about why you believe in Compassion Radio. We so much value your messages and letters. And know this, your gift is deeply appreciated. Thank you for loving us in this way. So as the family began to read through these diaries, they wanted to share the love of books that the girls had with the world. Initially, it was just, let's leave books at their graves to honor them because that's what they loved. The funny thing about it was that when they would go and visit the graves, after the diaries had been shared on social media, they began to find books there that they had not left, that were left by other people. They were starting to be added to this pile. More and more books were coming day by day. People were actually going out at odd hours to avoid being seen to pay tribute to these young ladies and brought their favorite books as well. Someone decided it was time to take care of those books. And so they built a cabinet, filing these books into there as a library. Yeah. But it wasn't just a static memorial. People started actually reading these books and trading them and actually going there to read. Many of us have seen these neighborhood library boxes. Used to see them quite often when we lived in Texas. Like a little house tote or tub of some sort that has books in it. The idea is to go and borrow a book or trade it. Take one, leave Take one. one, leave one, that kind of thing. One of our daughters especially really loved things like that when we would see them traveling around. There was one in a neighborhood close to where we lived at the time. This is kind of that same idea, but it's in a graveyard. They are effectively a window into the soul of the community. In this box are the things that people in that community have read. They chose to read these things. And they're sharing their love of something or their discovery with others anonymously. Mm -hmm. So suddenly you're looking at the heart of the people around you. And the kind of books that started showing up got more and more adventurous. Pretty soon, people who desired to get a book they couldn't find somewhere else because they had been banned now by the Taliban were now going there to find them because they could be found there. It was a place of safety. Nobody wanted to go hang out in a graveyard or try to guard it. Yeah. yeah. It was a place of sanctuary now for those who wanted to learn and dreamed of the day when we all in this nation of Afghanistan could, in fact, go back to school and learn what we needed to learn to become the people we want to become. Yeah. A book is planted in a graveyard, and the seed germinates into hope. I don't know how else to put that. This love was discovered in their own writings. They actually left a legacy of their own words to describe their dreams, and that inspired others not just to dream, but to pay forward some hope for others, even at a time when it seems hopeless for those who want to get an education in Afghanistan. The diary entries after they were published perked up the bravery in some people. Yeah, it did. You know, they began to be brave about the things they were dreaming about. A big portrait as part of this library. So when people go there, they know to whom it pays tribute, but also it is a gift to you, the living, to continue with your hopes and dreams. And that's what I think is marvelous for me, that the idea of inheritance and legacy is right there and about the word, the word itself. The words that are on those pages for those people who couldn't get access to them are life. They keep their minds and hearts alive. So a couple of scriptures come to mind in thinking about that. I want to go to, first of all, Proverbs 13, 22. This talks about inheritance. Good people leave an inheritance to their grandchildren. But the wealth of sinners is stored away for a righteous person. You think about what the fruit of your life is. 
There were terrorists that thought that the only way they could impress God was to kill others and steal away from them their hopes. At the core of that is a great evil. But it also means that somebody's heart and mind were stripped of hope in order to go through with this. I think this is the only way they can amount to anything. Mm -hmm. So they blew themselves up along with the lives and the hopes of others. That is, as far as I'm concerned, the lowest form of desperation that goes into wanting to be somebody. Mm -hmm. Scary as that sounds, the person who is a suicide bomber has the same hopes and aspirations as I do. They want their life to amount to something. Mm. It's been twisted and perverted in their lives, but they have the same drive to do something important, even though what they believe has been so warped. And it is at the heart of me, too. I want my life to amount to something. I'm sure you do, too, listener. Yeah. Good people leave an inheritance to their grandchildren of hope like this, I would say. But the wealth of sinners, whatever they have amounted to in their lives, will be stored away for the righteous person. You know, the unrighteous that did this great evil of killing these children and those who loved them, both in their own ways, ended up at the same place, the foot of these graves of these young ladies. The legacy is not one of the others of those who suffered or created suffering, but of those who dreamed of a better day. And their life, Hajar and Marzia, their legacies are right there for us to take. They're giving it to us freely. They're giving their hearts and lives to us now. And that reaches across generations. Yeah, I would hope that many in Afghanistan and around the world would take some inspiration from that. Mm-hmm. And thank God for those who dream, even if they don't get to see the day of their dreaming. One of the lines from Hajar's diary was that, I feel so good when I'm reading. I feel like I'm part of that story. Mm-hmm. And when you read these kind of articles, we read these stories of tragedy and great violence against people. It's hard to feel like you're part of that story. But then when you read how something beautiful came from this horrible tragedy, you can put yourself in that place of saying things like, I want to honor people I love Mm -hmm. in this way. I want to honor those who've gone before me in a way that perpetuates this kind of goodness and keeps their story alive because these gals will remain alive in the hearts of those who love them. But not just that, they will be made alive to those around that come and read these books that are in this little library. Mm -hmm. They've given a gift, even in their death, they've given a gift to those around them that are still being terribly persecuted just for being born, just for who they are, just many of them because of their gender just for wanting to know things yeah, and to be knowledgeable and wise. Yeah. It also reminds me to think very critically of what I am Mm. leaving behind or what I am paying forward even, both ways. The kinds of things that I treasure, the kinds of things that I want to teach our children and those around us, the ways that I love others, the ways that I bring others into safety or community. How do we do that? That leaves this kind of safe place and and legacy that people know is good. Are we speaking words of life or words of death? Yeah. And that's the last thought I would have is the second scripture comes from Psalm 119. How can a young person keep his life pure? He can do it by holding on to your word. You know, the words that are spoken of in this article have to do with dreams and aspirations. They are life-giving words in that they don't dissuade us from pursuing something that's bigger than ourselves. But there is also God's word and his living word being Jesus. He offers that to us. 
Do we treasure that the same way? In verse 11 of Psalm 119, it says, I have treasured your promise, your word in my heart, that I might not sin against you, Yahweh. Thanks be to you. Teach me your laws. Hmm. Do we invite the living word to come alive in us? If people in Afghanistan can risk their lives to read words that are beautiful and give them hope in basic things, can we not at least ask God to make the same thing true for us about his word Mm -hmm. in our lives. And that to me would be the legacy that goes even one step beyond. And I would hope for many people that they would ask God to bring the word alive for them so that they have real hope in facing whatever they're facing right now. And that's where we got to leave it on today's Compassion Radio 360. But the full article and link to that will be on the website. I encourage you all to read their story and to see these young girls and thank God for them. And be praying for the families and survivors of all those situations that are happening constantly around the world now, where the truth is being, in many ways, murdered Mm -hmm. by those who believe that murder is the way to God's heart. It's a sick, sick thing, but it's a disease of a heart that's been around since the beginning. It's not something new. It just happens to have a flourishing right now that's sad. We need to pray not against that, but pray for the living word Mm -hmm. to come alive in us. Absolutely. Thank you all for joining us on Compassion Radio 360. We'll see you next Monday for Compassion Radio's Chasing the Word.
Whether getting Bibles into closed countries, relief supplies into dangerous refugee camps, or providing training in theology books to barefoot pastors as they begin their ministry, these are all the kind of things we love to share with you every day. And more importantly, they're the kind of things we like to do. So call us today at 1-800-868-2478. And note our new mailing address, which is P.O. Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. Again, that's Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. Or give online at CompassionRadio.com. We need you, friend, so contact us today.